You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, got on the beat, recording this Monday night, early Monday evening, ahead of LSU Tigers, Clemson Tigers, uh, before the end of this show, we'll make our predictions before that game kicks off. So we really look like experts or idiots when you listen to this podcast in the morning. But I'm going to go to Greg Barnes first. I've got Greg Ross and Gregory with me. Greg, news earlier, Jeremiah Francis injury update. As if the injury bug could get any worse for North Carolina. It looks like it might have with Francis's issues. Um, being a problem for this North Carolina basketball team, even with a week off ahead of Pittsburgh up there. Yeah, and that, that's one of the challenges, I think, when you're, you're trying to manage a lineup and you've got so many injuries. Uh, and I think as, as members of the media and as, as fans, we tend to, to look at these situations uh, in, in terms of absolutes. You know, if he's playing, he's healthy, he's good to go. If he's not, then he's out and he can't manage. And most of the time, there's an area of gray. And I think that's what we have with, with Jeremiah. Uh, he came came back and played against Virginia, and I think all of us were surprised at how well he played, even in spot minutes you know, a month ago, after having you know, basically all f- you know, two years due to knee injuries. Uh, and so there really was this line of, okay, how much do we play him for fear of him getting worn out too soon. You know, at what point it, does it become an issue with his health? Uh, and I don't know that there was a very clear marker there. And that's the challenge of saying, okay, we need him clearly because now Cole's out and we really don't have another point guard other than KJ and you know, Leakey can spell it for bits. But if Jeremiah can go and he's telling us he can go, we have to play that hand. Uh, and so you have to listen to the player. You have to kind of, get a feel for how he's actually producing and how he seems to be regardless of what he may say. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of juggling and trying to decipher uh, how somebody feels and those kind of things. And I think, I think that's what we've run into is that he probably overdid it a little bit too much. He, he tried to press it once, once Roy let us know after the Pittsburgh game that he wasn't even sure if Jeremiah was going to go uh, kind of your know, warning signs flash in my head. That, uh, uh, I wonder if he's kind of hitting a wall, which would make sense given what what all he's been through. Uh, and you know these these kids that come to Carolina, these they come to school to play, and they have a very limited window in which to do so. So they they're willing to play through some pain, especially I would imagine in Jeremiah's case because he hadn't played much the last couple of years. Uh, and it just really seems as though he just just kind of hit that wall. Uh, did he push it too far? That remains to be seen. That's kind of what we're waiting to hear in terms of how severe it is. Is it just a matter of, yeah, it's a sore. He needs to take some time off. He needs to pull back a little bit. Or did it go so severely in the wrong direction that 
he did too much and actually hurt himself. That's going to be a, a longer injury. Uh, that's speculation right now. We don't know what the results of these tests are going to be that North Carolina was running uh, this morning and I guess over the weekend. Uh, but but that obviously, even without Cole back yet, that, that's, that's a big component of how this team is going to be able to play in the next couple of weeks and, and even until uh, you know, March as they're trying to battle for postseason uh, contention. Ross, you wrote the column after the Clemson lost rock bottom, and you know it's an interesting thread on the message boards. I guess losing to Clemson and ending that streak could be considered rock bottom, I think, for the fan base maybe. I don't know if it's necessarily at that point for the team. Um, I said something over the weekend. They're, they're trying to pile 100-plus years of bad mojo into one season. Uh, your take on what's transpired over the last few weeks? I mean, because we leave the Bahamas, and it's they look pretty strong or they look pretty good, and it's gone completely sideways since then. Yeah, and I would say, <clears throat> I would say that um, rock bottom is fluid. You know, that could change. I mean, it could, be, it could be a new rock bottom in a couple of weeks. But right now, I mean, that Clemson loss was was pretty bad. And this is the way it happened. We don't need to dive in too much on, you know, all, all that went down that game. But, I mean, I'll point to some positives. I mean, up until the last two minutes, you know, this team looked pretty decent against a really bad Clemson team. They just couldn't put it all together. And, you know, Gleeky Black had two of those turnovers in the final two minutes. And that goes back to, you know, point guard issues. I think missing Cole – Obviously, is just a huge is, is really handicapping this team. <clears throat> we saw how much they relied on Cole in the first nine games, um, and then kind of the worst nightmare happened without him. They've they've really suffered to produce. But you saw, um, I think Brandon Robinson's have had a couple of really nice games with shooting. Uh, maybe not the best percentages, but he's making threes. That's something this team couldn't do for a while there. And I think you're starting to see you know, Garrison Brooks been really consistent. You're seeing Baycott getting back. So beyond all the gloom and, and, and glum that we've, we've you know, it's kind of hard to talk about, uh, I think there were, you know, some glimmers of hope in the last two games. But uh, beyond that, I mean, not closing games, being there and having a chance to, to beat Pitt and have a chance to beat Clemson and not coming through is, is, is severely disappointing. And like I think we've mentioned before, these last three ACC games were a chance for UNC to stack wins. Uh, because they're at home, they're against lesser opponents compared to the, the rest of the ACC, and they've been 0-3 and then now sit at 1-4 in the ACC, and then it gets a little tougher uh, as they go on the road and then play you know the hard, harder teams in the conference. So, um, not I mean I, I don't want to I don't want to be super negative, so I point to some of the positives, and I think uh, Brand Robinson's performances and some of the big men is is, is good stuff from Tar Heels. I agree there. I mean, there's some positives out there. I'm not sure how good Clemson is, but Gregory, um, something that stood out to me, I mean, Brandon Robinson, of course, was um, pretty solid in the first 38 minutes. Uh, I thought Armando Baycott was really good at times, you know, Oregon game good at times. But uh, the question is, after a Clemson collapse like that, and this is where senior leadership and coaching, I think, really, really comes in, and we'll see – about that and the rest of this season, but how does this team bounce back from it? I mean, it's one thing to lose a game. It's another thing to be on a massive losing streak or losing trend for guys that are always used to winning, um, both in high school and in college, and 
a coach that's used to winning at every stop he's ever had. I mean, how does the team bounce back, Gregory? I think it's similar to Ross's take just there. He doesn't, he didn't want to be super negative because I mean, that's the aura around the team and that's kind of where everyone's minds are at and whether it's extreme negativity or just kind of like, well, this season sucks. But I mean, if you're the, if you're the players, if you're the coaches, you got to look at those games. Yes. The beginning of the Georgia tech game was awful. Um, letting Pittsburgh claw back in the second half was not, was not great and not probably not as bad as the start of the Georgia tech game. Um, but it was still pretty bad. I mean, blowing a, what was it? A nine point halftime lead to Pittsburgh. Who's not that great of a team either um, is definitely not great. And then you play 38 minutes of pretty solid basketball, the be- better basketball than you played the last two games. Then, I mean, we know all, we all know what happened with that, but you look at those games and you see, all right, we needed someone to step up and be a leader and be a scorer, which we haven't really seen since Cole. That's what Garrison did uh, against Georgia Tech. Um, and then uh, Brandon Robinson against Clemson goes off for 27. And in the pit game, they controlled that the majority of that first half. So you look at those moments in the film room and things, and you go, look, we're capable of doing certain things right. But and then you look at the negative and like, this is how we can turn those, these bad plays and these blunders and these mental errors into successes. Um, and it's not great. And I guess it's bad timing that you're headed towards, you've got a week off to go two games on the road. Um, that's obviously not beneficial. You wanted, you, you kind of wanted those takeaways to start like, yeah, like you said, with these three, home ACC games that were all winnable. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think that's where you go from here as far as a confidence standpoint with these with these players is, look, you're not doing 40 minutes of awful basketball. There are bright spots. And that's what you need to look for because if you stay too much the negativity, that's when you've got your head hanging low and that's when you feel like you can't do anything right. And that does not help a poor shooting team because like Roy always loves to say, Everything looks better when the ball goes in the basket, but the ball needs to go in the basket for it to look better, and it's not going to do that if they're negative. So I think that's where they go from here. Greg, something I've thought of watching that game, reading the message board, seeing the post-game press conference over the last few games is whose responsibility is it? I know a lot of people on the boards want to blame the coaches. A lot of people want to blame the players. It's a it's a combination of both, clearly. But in a situation where Carolina's a team that doesn't have a ton of uh, game experience or valuable game crunch time experience coming down to the wire, coming into the season, and now they've lost back-to-back games in somewhat similar fashion, one not as epically as the other, but Nobody on the team has been there um, except for maybe Garrison Brooks, but especially not guard play has been in that fight at the end where you've got to put your foot down. Therefore, I think Rory Williams needs to step up some and provide um, maybe more leadership than even he's used to having to provide for his team. I mean, is that Hmm. a fair statement? I think it's an interesting conversation and, 
somebody posted on the board about it, and I, I think it's a, I think it's legitimate in terms of some of his best teams. Uh, and granted, a lot of his teams are really good, so you could say this for for most of his teams. He's he's dead set on being like, you got yourself into this mess, you're gonna get yourself out of it, and that's how he teaches. Like people will get riled up game against Wofford like last year in December and it goes poorly and they're like, oh, he should have called timeouts, blah, blah, blah. He does it for a reason. And when you have a lot of talented people in your roster, they can grow from that and they can learn from that and they, they understand not to lean on uh, a timeout or something like that to change how the game's being played. It's their responsibility to change it. But when you have a roster like this one, uh, and a lot of it's, of course, due to injury, but also similar to that 09-2010 team. That team was also injured, uh, but did not have the talent that a lot of the other teams did. And I, I think those are unique seasons in that maybe Roy, you know, does he need to take a bigger role? Does he need to call timeouts earlier you know, in like a late-game situation to make sure his players understand exactly what's going on, understand the perspective of, look, we're up 10, it's okay. We don't have to be perfect. We just need to execute. Just make the easy pass. Slowly work your way down the court. You, know, As he said at the teleconference on Monday, by his count, there were seven moments in the final two minutes that all had to go against UNC for Clemson to force overtime. And all seven went against North Carolina. Um, and so if you take a timeout or you're able to com- you know, communicate with your team settle them down just a little bit, maybe only five of those things go wrong and you squeak out of there with a you know, three-point victory or whatever, or one-point victory, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I think that's valid in terms of, you know, is he putting too much on the players? Personally, I think the bigger issue um, is, is leadership. And Cole Anthony has that leadership capability. He's not on the court. Uh, and yes, Brandon Robinson is a senior, and I think he does a fine job. He's been a role player his entire career. Uh, and I think if you look at how some of these post-game interview sessions have gone, uh, Garrison is, is, is very short, uh, very upset, very emotional. And I think that the person that you know, you, Gregory and Ross can correct me if, if they think I'm wrong, but Andrew Playtech, when we talk to him, it's like, wow, this kid is refreshing. Like he's, he's offering great perspective about – yeah, it's not Roy's fault. We're the ones on the court making the mistakes. That's that's great of him, and that shows what kind of coach he is, that he's trying to take the burden off of us. We have to do better. We have to do these things better. I've got to do these things better. You don't necessarily hear those things uh, from, from Garrison and Brandon, at least in those settings. And you know, even the last five years, right, after you know, North Carolina lost some bad games during Marcus Page's first couple of years, uh, he had a very intellectual approach to how we talked to media after the games. Look, we lost. We lost because we did this and this and this. We needed to do this and this and this, right? Joe Barry, what did he do? He got pissed. We are not playing the way we need to be playing. We have to do this better. I'm not standing for this. That's how he approached it. And then Theo Pinson was more of a guy that, yeah, Joel's all ticked off over there. I'm more upbeat. You know, yeah, we lost. It's okay. We, we're going to lose games. We have to learn from it. We have to get better. And so they're very, very different leadership styles, but they were all effective. Um, and you just have to wonder, 
how effective are those leadership styles being right now? I'm not in the locker rooms. I don't know. Uh, But the way that you see kind of things transpire in some of these games, I think that's where uh, growth needs to occur. And that's where the team, in order for them to keep, keep everything together late in games and not to panic and to play with poise, they need somebody on the court with them saying, guys, settle. We're okay. This is fine. It's not a big deal. You know, we can make a mistake or two. We're all right. And I don't know that I've seen that in some of these instances. And I, for me, I think that's that's a bigger issue than Roy, although I do think the coaching staff, for the reasons that we've talked about, does have to take a, a more significant role in that leadership component. Well, breaking news here, guys. Uh, UNCW just fired uh, C.B. McGrath, longtime Roy Williams assistant. <clears throat> and UNC assistant just happened. Interesting. R- Ross, uh, Ross, Ross had a – that's right. Ross had a pretty good idea of that a couple days ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd be interested to see if he comes back to uh, Roy's bench because um, I don't think he's going to be hired anywhere else. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with UNC assistance. But I just wanted to add a little tidbit on um, on what a bit of what Greg said uh, in the postgame locker room. I, mean, I kind of want to call Garrison out. I mean, that guy is a sad sack after losses. And as a junior – you have to be a leader, and you have to just confront the media, talk, answer questions directly. And he was given one, two, three-word answers, you know, speaking under his breath, no eye contact. Brand Robinson's been better. I thought he was pretty good and gave some really interesting and, and insightful quotes after um, after the loss against Clemson. Playtech's great. Baycott's great. I mean, he's a freshman. He hasn't gone through this. You know, he hasn't had much training, and, and he's been good as well. It, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if it's just me complaining, but it just sucks when these players can't just kind of man up after losses and just treat it. You know, it's just it happens. It's part of the game. If you don't play in the NBA, you're gonna you're gonna lose fifty times a, a year. Sometimes you have to do that all the time after, and that's my soapbox. I don't necessarily disagree. I see a lot of heads hanging down. I mean, get your head up. I think one of those videos from a couple of years ago, I can't remember who it was, what team it was. Kid misses free throws. He's walking down the court with his head hanging down and one of his teammates come and pushes his chin up. I mean, that. I think that's a valid, valid point, uh, Ross. I mean, yeah. And man, one thing, I mean, think about if you played for Wake Forest. I mean, you, you lose 20 games a year. <laughs> Uh, and UNC just Brooks is not used to losing, and so these are really tough for him. But think about if you play for some of these other ACC teams, how much you would have to respond to the media. It's just, right. you know, I think it's a little maturity well, thing there. Well, my thing is, it's, I mean, yes, I mean, losing, I mean, obviously, like you said, they're not really used to losing that much. But when you ask him, kind of, Greg, you mentioned play tech and give me all the play tech quotes, but. Playtech and Armando and Justin Pierce, um, even Jeremiah, you kind of ask them like what needs to be different, what needs to change, and they give you an answer like this is what we did poorly. It's not specific because, I mean, the game just ended. They've got a lot going through their heads. But, I mean, after the – it was either the Ohio State game, um, which was kind of like the first really – depleting loss i guess but you ask garrison like what like what needs to be different like what are you guys not doing and he just goes i don't know man and he like and it's i don't think he's deflecting like i actually feel like he isn't sure which i mean yes you're it's right after the game you haven't looked at film yet but you can still have a sense especially because other players are explaining to you what 
needs to be done differently. And it's not just, oh, I got to make shots. Like they give more specifics. So that's my thing with even with Garrison and B-Rob. Like if you're the two leaders, you got to at least give a little more than, I mean, if your head's down, fine. Like I don't really think that bothers me as much. Um, like, yes, get your head up would be beneficial, would be better. But it's more of the, I don't know what we need to do. Like you're the leader. That's kind of your job. Right? Yeah, it's funny. Ross mentions Wake Forest. I had a Wake Forest, big, big wig Wake Forest fan come up to me today and say, welcome to our world as far as the the basketball season. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, nah, y'all got that pretty well uh, cemented, your world. But yeah, get it all out in one season. Let's take a, a short Johnny T-shirt break. Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Sponsors of this podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina, great friends of Inside Carolina subscribers, because if you're a subscriber, you get 10% off a Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street and online. All the Carolina gear you need at Johnny T-shirt 24-7 on johnnytshirt.com. Great shipping, great customer service, anything you could ever possibly want, Carolina-related. Basketball, football, all the sports. Johnny T-shirt. Spring game's coming up. You're going to need some new Carolina football gear. Coming up in April, uh, go see them on Franklin Street when you're in town for that. Ross, let me come to you. When I when I mentioned the uh, Roy Williams thing, I felt like maybe Roy Williams needs to do more than he normally does. And let me say, a lot of people say, you know, Roy Williams is a great coach when he's got all the great talent. Well, yeah, who's not? But if, if just rolling the ball out when you had a great team – was all that a coach had to do, then somebody like Coach K or Calipari and all those guys would have dozens of national championships. It doesn't work that way. Even when you have great talent, you still have to coach them up. But this season, like I said earlier, I think that maybe he needs to um, provide more maybe in-game than he's ever had to do in the past because he doesn't have guys like Barry or Page or Penson or whoever on this squad. And I thought that really reared its head against Clemson and against Pitt and even at the beginning of Georgia Tech. I'm not knocking his coaching ability like some have done. Um, I think that's pretty ridiculous and it speaks for itself. But I think maybe that could be something. When you ask what needs to change, it's one thing to ask the players what needs to change. Yes, they need to do more. But it goes both ways, I think, Ross. And and you seem surprised by my comment. I was just curious as to why. Sorry, got the mute on. I was just uh, surprised you calling out Roy. I thought it was funny. But, I mean, I think Greg said it was, it was right. You know, like calling more timeouts. This might be the year you have to do that. And you can't let these long, long runs happen. Or just to make sure these young players know what's going on with time and situation. Um and because the leaders on this team have never led before, and some of the point guards have never played point guards before, point guard before. Jeremiah Francis, Leaky Black have never been point guards at this level um, that many times before, actually. And so there's a lot of things. This is, you have to operate a little bit differently with this team because the talent level isn't there. And we've spoken on that many, many times. Don't need to rehash it, but it's not like you have a, a third or fourth year point guard running things like a Marcus Page or Joel Berry or any of the guys that Roy's had, he's been so lucky at the point guard position. And now he he's unlucky at the point guard position, and they've had four different guys. So things are different. So maybe you do have to coach a little differently. And and how Roy gets things going, the rest of the ACC slate will be a, a 
a, a little a good view into you know how he is as a coach. Can he pull things together and win a couple games, or or is you know is this kind of what happens when they don't have talent? Really doesn't have talent because he's coached at places that have always has had talent. So it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of, the rest of the season. And I think the ACC is not that strong. I mean, there's tons of wins left on the schedule. I was just looking at it. You know, they can go up to Pitt and they can win that game. I mean, I don't is, is Miami that good? Virginia Tech, I don't know if they're that good either. NC State's beatable. Uh, Boston College. I mean, I think Duke, Florida State, Virginia, and Notre Dame are – sorry, sorry, and Louisville are, are the top teams. I, I think Virginia could be beatable in Chapel Hill, especially when you get Cole back. So how the next games go, we'll, we'll, we'll see how good of a, of a coach Roy really is without talent. Yeah, and I think, I think it's important – for people listening to this to understand that we're looking this looking at this as from the perspective of the team as it currently exists. Uh, I think we would all agree that if they had all their working pieces, we'd have a, a big uh, a big change in terms of how we're addressing this team. But we we understand that there are two point guards out. I mean the fact that Roy Williams talked about it on Monday that I mean, twice this year, the guy they thought was going to start the game at point guard, they found out the day of that he wasn't going to be able to play, which means you don't have any practice time to prepare for that. You're just throwing a guy in. Uh, and so I think that's – it may sound like we're just piling on, and that's that's not the case. We're just trying to look at this at, with this current team as they are currently constructed. What What is the issue? Why are they playing the way they're playing? What can possibly change to help them? If you add all these pieces back in, the conversation changes dramatically. Some people are in different roles. It becomes easier for them. Uh, but this team is struggling, and there's a lot of different reasons for it. And it's not as easy as saying, oh, well, Roy can't coach. Come on. We know that's not the case. But it's also a matter of we can't say, well, Jeremiah Francis is only shooting 24% from the floor. He hasn't played in two years. He is put in a very difficult situation. And that's, that's kind of what we're dealing with is you can't just say, well, you know, all these guys aren't any good. That's, that's not the case. They're all in unique roles. They're all having to learn on the fly. Uh, and when you're doing that and you're having to learn how to coach them and you're having to learn what you can and can't do just talent-wise, that's how you're in a position where you're 8-8 eight and eight and you're 1-4 and four in the ACC and uh, you've got an uphill climb for, for even the NIT at this point. Yeah, and I mean, I firmly believe that I mean, Roy said in multiple, a few times after games that he kind of tells his players to do something and they just don't do it and they just kind of go to the wrong spots and things like that. So, like, I mean, at this point in the season, they're what, eight and eight? If they're, if they can kind of get rid of those mental blunders, which it seems like there's been way more this year than there has been last year or in the past, and whether that's, uh, the injuries, whether that's uh, an experience, probably all the above, then they're they're probably not eight and eight. Um, yes, the Georgia Tech shooting thing dug them a hole, but that was that was just bizarre. I mean, you don't go zero for fifteen to start a game. That just doesn't that just doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, if if they're doing the things that Roy is telling them to do, and we can say, oh well, Roy's stuck in his ways. He's not changing things. He hasn't changed things as far as timeout goes, time timeouts go, but he's said he's added new offenses and he's tried to make changes. They just they just haven't really worked. Whether that's the case of the players not grasping the initial cost concepts, 
So then the new concepts, it's like, wait, I was just about to grasp that. And now we're changing. I think it's, it's probably all, it's, it's probably everything, but if they're doing what he's telling them to do, they're probably, it's probably still not a great season, but it's, I mean, I would like to think it's better than eight and eight, whether that's 10 and six. I mean, I think the conversation is different if those mental blunders are gone, right? I, I agree. I agree with the, the the concerning thing watching this team, and uh, you know, it's it's the most perplexing thing is the same thing continues to happen. You right. know, and, and that is, uh, you know, that that's the it can't happen over and over and over. Like, you're right. It's like you can right. make one mistake, but don't make the second mistake. Right. But anyway, like that, yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know what you do about that. It, you can't bench people. Well, I guess you could. I mean, you could bench you could everybody. Caleb Ellis, <laughs> Walker Miller in there. Yeah, but I mean, that, that to me, I get the talent deficiencies. I get all that. It's it's making the same mistake repeatedly, and that's the most perplexing thing. Got a few more questions on the Inside Carolina On The Beat podcast, but let's take a short break. Come back. I'm going to let Ross Martin ask Greg Barnes a question. We'll be right back. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. We're back inside Carolina on the Beat podcast. I'm Tommy Ashley, Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and now Ross Martin. So, Greg, I got a question for you. I mean, we've talked about lack of talent and, and all this stuff, and obviously we've seen some good things from Brand Robinson and two big men. What else can this team do to just to get better? What do you see from this team, whether it's on defense or offense or some of the X and O's things that you think they can – improve on that that's beyond you know obviously getting cold back or, or things that are clear like that is there anything you're seeing that you think they can get better on the next couple of games well i think to your point brandon has really stepped up and i think garrison has really stepped up on the court uh, so that that's critically important i think confidence is an issue for most everybody else um, and so what happens when you lose confidence is you start having these miscues you start wondering uh, can I make this play? Uh, should I make this pass? Should I try to take this shot? I don't know how many times in the last two or three games we've seen guys with open shots and they've just been hesitant to pull. That's not a good thing. Uh, and so I think if if you're able to regain confidence, you're able to help uh, your teammates and the coaching staff help, can help these guys by building confidence and, and letting them know that they are doing the right things and they, they will see success if they keep at it that'll solve a lot of these issues. I think it was pretty clear that they're up by 10 with two minutes to play and they have that one turnover and then they just fall apart. And as Andrew Playtech told us after the game, 
they automatically started saying, oh, we can't mess up. We can't mess up. You cannot play basketball that way. So I think more than anything, the confidence issue is, is glaring. Um, and I say that because, you, yes, they have too many turnovers. Yes, you know, they're not shooting well enough. All those things are come out of confidence. I mean, this is not a great shooting team. They should be able to make layups. And you know, Justin Pierce missed two layups last week. I don't, I don't remember if it was a pit game or if it was Clemson. But right at the rim. And he makes those every single day in practice. He's made those his entire life. But for whatever reason, you kind of have that lack of confidence, and it really hurts you there. I think Armando is kind of the, the biggest issue now. He just has a tendency to vanish. Um, he got pushed around a little bit at Clemson. He, he needs to play stronger. He needs to get stronger. But he needs to trust his game. He's an incredibly talented kid. And with the way that Garrison's playing and the way that Brandon is starting to play, if you can get those three guys operating at a high clip, at least offensively, and then you throw Cole Anthony back in the mix. Now you got something you can work with. Now you got something that you can really start to, to pull in some win and help build that confidence so that you have a chance your tournament to try to make a run. Will it be enough? Yeah, I don't know there's enough talent on the team to do that. But I do think just a few small things like that, helping the mental aspect and getting Cole back, that would really you know, turn the fortunes of this team very quickly. So uh, I'd go full on Larry Davis, and I know you guys probably don't even remember Larry Davis, but I'd come in jacking shots. Do your homework, right. Gregory. <laughs> like like Playtech well, did, did against Clemson. He came in and took that shot early in the thing and got himself sat almost yeah. immediately. I, I'd go full on Larry Davis. Anybody that was around in the early 90s knows who Larry Davis but, was. But did Larry, did Larry do that just because – why did he do that? He he came in thinking he was gonna make everything yeah. he threw up, right? Oh yeah. And he'd get like six minutes a game and he was gonna get shots one way right. or another. I mean Dexter Strickland. I mean Dexter Strickland is you know, his I guess his junior year, you know, that's when the whole YOLO thing was big. And that joke would pull up from anywhere and you'd be like, He can't shoot like normal shots, but here he is pulling up like clutch shot. And you like that confidence. You don't want him to yeah, you don't want him to go overboard with it. But yeah, that that's why I think, you know, when you see guys tentative to take shots they normally take and have taken for years and years, I mean that just screams, you know, a confidence issue to me. Oh yeah. Props to Brandon Robinson for stepping up, Garrison and and like you said, if, if those three guys can get it going, uh, I think Carolina can win some games in the ACC, but it is the ACC is not a league to try to build your confidence against. Nope. Not not a no, it's just not. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here on out. Before we get out so of Tommy, here, yeah, oh, let me ahead. let me throw this in, Tommy. Uh, oh yeah, we Greg get out and his stir the pot, Big G. Oh Lord. <laughs> so so we're talking about can this team make a, a run to the postseason? Um, you know, if you get Cole back, or Mondo starts to play like he did, you know, down in the Bahamas. Uh, Jeremiah is able to come back, and all of a sudden you've got a pretty good backcourt with Francis and, and Cole Anthony. How good can this team be? Uh, I, I think we could have a long discussion about that. We won't do that right now. But in terms of the metrics, in terms of what this team is going to have to do, it's an uphill climb. Um, and as Raw said earlier, we really talked about the first three games of this ACC you know, slate in January being games that North Carolina had to win to be able to make a run at the NCAA tournament. Uh, and to kind of flesh that out, 
North Carolina currently ranks 116th in the net rankings, which is, for those who may not know, that's what's replaced the RPI for the NCAA Selection Committee. Uh, Carolina is 1-4 against Q1 teams, and they're 2-3 and three against Q3 teams, which is not good at all. Uh, and I think kind of the bigger issue is that North Carolina currently sits number 62 in strength of schedule. For some perspective, uh, teams above them, 115 is Belmont. 114 is Loyola, Chicago, New Mexico State, College of Charleston, UC Irvine, Boise State, Northern Colorado, William and Mary, Western Carolina. Um, that will change as we get through the ACC season because North Carolina's strength of schedule will improve. But in terms of looking at ACC schools that are you know, competing with North Carolina right now, Wake Forest, uh, they're about 10 spots ahead. They're one in five. They're 34th strength of schedule. They're also one in four against Q1 teams, same as UNC. They're one and two against Q3 teams. Uh, Georgia Tech, where's Georgia Tech on this list? I just looked at them. I'll forget that. Clemson, we'll say Clemson. Clemson's eight and seven. They're 39th in strength of schedule. Q1, one and three. Q3, one and two. Uh, so North Carolina is is below even some of the competition within the ACC. Uh, so not only is UNC going to have to close strong, I don't think 10 and 10 is necessarily going to get it done. Uh, but in doing so, they're going to have to win some big games. I think they only have seven games left currently against Q1 teams. So, and of course, as, as everybody knows, that's two games against Duke, that's Louisville, that's Florida State. I think at Pitt even counts in that, with that being a road game. So that's, that's a big opportunity next week. Uh, but a lot of work ahead of them, regardless of how they play. So you really have to look at it in two steps. One, they have to play better. And as they get some of these pieces back, hopefully uh, you're going to see them improve dramatically. But then it becomes, okay, we're so late in the year. Are they playing well enough to win enough games to make it interesting in March? UNC had, what, seven quarter Q1 wins last year? Is that right? Sounds right. Sounds right. Typically, it's more than that. But yeah, that sounds right. We're running with it. I think, yeah. Uh, I don't even want to get into what they have to do to make any postseason tournament, much less the NCAA. Last question, Greg, who wins Clemson or LSU? Folks listening to this will hear this um, after the game. So what's we doing spread? We doing spread? No, we're, straight we're up score s- prediction. Straight up score position. position. I think the Tigers going to win. I, I think you. I agree with Ross. Yeah, I think we're all. Here. You guys are the worst. Y'all suck. <laughs> Gregory, you want the man up? You want to be the man on this podcast and make a prediction? Uh, Clemson, 37-28. No way. Clemson, 49-45. How's that? LSU is, doesn't yeah. score. LSU doesn't score, so their last drive of the first half. You're crazy. You, you, I'm not I'm crazy. Thinking, after your Auburn rant last week, you, you were delirious. I'm not. Okay. After my Auburn rant, you would think I would have SEC bias, but I do not. If, if somebody scores in the twenties, they're going to get blown out. I'm picking. Uh, I'm picking LSU. I think LSU is going to win. I think. I don't think ty- the uh, Clemson's defense is that strong. Got exposed by. They're like one, oh, they're like one of the best defenses in the country, man. I'm gonna they're go. Good. I'm gonna go Clemson. LSU. Forty-four, thirty-nine. Score? Like twenty-two, twenty-three. Now Gregory brings energy. I know, really, oh, man. No energy oh. talking about Carolina basketball. You know he's riled up. What got, what division? LSU. LSU in. 
SEC West, baby. SEC West. That's right, SEC West. We got uh, some yeah. characters down there. Who's we? Guess your, uh, oh, guess we your babies. Know. Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach. It's going to be a fun division. We should uh, migrate. But you're still Auburn. I'm going to wrap the show. <laughs> All right. Boys, it's been fun. The On The Beat podcast, Inside Carolina, okay. Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall. I'm going to mute you, Gregory. We're done. Appreciate y'all joining me. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.